nervous? Yes. I don't like this. You only have 75 more to go, okay? What's this one? It's a couple of wavy lines. Sorry, this isn't your lucky day. I know. Um, I'm getting a little tired of this. You volunteered, didn't you? We're paying you, aren't we? Yeah, but I didn't know you were gonna be giving me electric shocks. What are you trying to prove here, anyway? I'm studying the effect of negative reinforcement on ESP ability. The effect? I'll tell you what the effect is. It's pissing me off! Well, then maybe my theory is correct. You can keep the five bucks I've had. I will, mister. You may as well get used to that. It's the kind of resentment that your ability is going to provoke in some people. Welcome to Against All Oddities, the podcast about three brothers coming to terms with the oddly true and the truthfully odd. Today's episode focuses on extrasensory perception, also known as ESP. But you probably already knew that because we telepathically sent you detailed notes about this episode while you were sleeping last night. You're welcome. This is Against All Oddities. talking about ESP, we're talking about remote viewing, maybe astral projection, somewhere in there. I guess we can't really... ES projection. <laughs> How about the, like, I've, I've listened to a lot of our episodes, like our, our podcast, multiple times. I actually listened to Bigfoot again this morning. Sometimes when we do that stuff in the beginning, it's kind of annoying. <laughs> <laughs> and so for today's episode, we're going to do like an experiment, right, Nate? Well, I was going to do the experiment was going to be we each take a turn, right? And each one of us takes a turn like I will try drawing a uh, symbol or whatever. And then for like 20 seconds, think about it. You guys receive it. So those five symbols, right? And those are called, uh, what are those cards called? They're called Zener cards or Zener cards, right? Just like Ghostbusters or whatever. Yellow sun, red cross, blue water, black square, green star. Makes sense. Okay, got it. All right. So you know what it is. All right. And then what we're going to do is Chris can fill it in with some like wow, wow, wow sound (laughs) or something for our listening audience's entertainment. So this time you have to receive whatever I'm sending shape out, right? I'm going to go on mute whenever Chris says go. All right, so Tim, Tim, you're gonna project and we're gonna receive. Uh, okay, tell me when to go. Are you ready? Uh, let's go. All right, that's time. I tried to channel my inner Professor Xavier. My turn. And go. I'm done sending. Okay. I'm just curious. Uh, before we before we get to the results, I, uh, uh, the method that you guys were using to try to uh, project this to each of the other brother. Because for me, I, I was just trying to picture you guys individually. So Chris would get ten seconds, and Nate would get ten seconds. But I was alternating back and forth, like two seconds, two seconds. And I was like, Chris, yeah. Chris. Chris. That's what I started doing. But then I pictured like after the first time, I felt like it wasn't fast enough. So I pictured more like Cyclops from X-Men. You know, he had like the the laser vision. I would make the laser form into the shape and then I would point the shape at you guys like a laser, like Ah, like, yeah, that made like a flashlight on this. But like a solid. So if it was like a a certain symbol, it would be like a, a continuous beam of that symbol like a solid form like the the alien from the abyss going See, to that, each I, 
brain. It's funny because I pictured mine as a pulse, like a wave, like wah 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 wah. <laughs> so what, I started. What, what was your? What would the noise yours make be? Oh, uh, it would actually be the sound of each picture that I was. Oh, um, each picture on. Of the sound. and. And what I did, it was I just pictured everything that would represent the shape, oh. and I and the color and everything. And I try to picture where you guys were, Chris in his uh, the cabin area building at the school, Tim in his living room. I'm assuming where the Xbox is, <clears throat> yeah. and I envisioned you guys drawing the symbol oh. that I thought about. Oh, Good job! I did that too. I uh, I tried to picture exactly where you guys were because I was yeah. like. And I was kept saying the word in my head, like the the shape over and over and over. I know what I did wrong as a receiver. I was trying to think visually, and you're saying a word, and I would close my eyes and try to picture whatever image, and I kept cycling through a lot of them. And so I tried to pick the first one that came to mind. But Nate, what was your first symbol? All right. What? Uh, how about this, Chris? Or is what there did, a better what way did to you do think? It? What did you oh, think? Oh yeah. Was? I thought it was a green star. I put I put a green star too. All right, it was a red cross. Damn it! Well, me and Chris were on the same wavelength on that but one. But guess what I did? This is the best up part. When I guessed your symbol underneath each one, I drew a green star because I was like, I know this is what they're drawing, but I keep seeing a green star, <laughs> and I did that on both of them. Yeah, but you you just kept you were you were visualizing the wrong thing. I know it's me and Chris's combined guess was more powerful than your projection. One, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like you did, totally did it. And that's why I was having trouble receiving both of your symbols and I kept getting a green star in there, but it wasn't, I knew it wasn't the symbol. Yeah. All right. Let's did I threw it down. Yes. Tim, what was your first drawing? Oh, wait, we're supposed to guess what. Are we on Nate? I thought you two? did blue water. No, 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 no. We're on Tim. No, we're on we're Tim. On Tim number one. Tim oh. one. Oh, okay. So Chris thought blue water. And I Nate, what was your guess? Square. It was a black square. Ooh, Nate got it. Again, uh, two two of us on the same uh, wavelength there. Okay. Um. All right. So, what do you guess for my first? Green uh, star. I had red cross. Yellow sun. Uh, we both failed, Chris. That it is amazing how I drew a little green star next to each symbol. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, that's what you that, said. That was awesome, and now I wish I had done that continued because I was like, it's too confusing. It reminds me. So this ESP game that we just played reminds me of this game that we played at the camp last summer called the mind and it's a really good card game because uh and it, it was invented by this scientist who had a couple kids and he was tired of all the card games making the kids competitive with each other so he invented a game where they could work together instead so you get a group of like five people like you would poker and the cards just go from one to a hundred they're just each card has one number on it one to a hundred, there's a hundred cards. And at the beginning, you just deal the cards evenly amongst your group. You then have to put them in chronological order without communication. So let's say we deal a hand, we each get five cards and there are a series of five random numbers. Using only our like tele telepathy ESP powers, we have to send each other the numbers and we each go in order. So I'd look at, and I'd guess what my lowest number is and what, say it's a 22, I'd put it down. And that might be the end of the round because everyone, someone had a lower number. But you, if you can project what you have and if you can guess what your numbers are in relation to everyone, it gets really intense. Like, Did you we, guys match? Did you get it? Yeah, we, we made it the highest anyone ever did was make it 10 rounds. Wow. Which is one card, and you're just looking at each other, making eye contact, no symbols, no, no hand gestures, and you just like, like, all right, I'm putting it down, and I was like, no, 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 and then they shut down their number because it gets really hard when the numbers are exactly one off from each other. Like if you have a 34 and I have a 35, you have to somehow communicate to me that your number is lower than mine. 
but you don't know what I have. So it, it, it was really wild that the more people played, the better they got at it. Bizarre game of like chance and your ability to read people. Well, what's interesting is, you know, we would play this after dinner sometimes and there'd be like 50 people and we'd be on a picnic table and we'd have a group of say five, six people playing and the entire group was watching like on the edge of their seat. So there'd be a picnic table of like five people and then maybe 30 people crowded around that table staring and screaming at the top of their lungs like when the numbers worked <laughs> i mean it was, I'm, um, it was I'm reminded of game, but it was so exciting to watch like you could hear people screaming from on the other side of campus the shot drinking contest at the beginning of raiders but it's up in maine with like a card game <laughs> yeah there's money like on a table yeah, I mean, and like Chris like drinks a beer and then puts down a card like sweating and his hands shaking like sliding it forward. I remember this one woman, she was a visiting artist, so she's fairly she's fairly famous um artist named Lucy Raven. And she was only on campus for like two days. She's she's like the girlfriend of Matthew Barney, you know, who was married to Bjork for a while. Anyway. I do now. But anyway. <laughs> Anyway, like so Lucy Raven yeah. was Lucy Raven was on, and so she, we got her to play this game, and it was like me, my friend Lily, and her, and another person, and we ended up going really good for like an hour, um, maybe seven rounds or something. And at the end of the night, there was this big party, and she kept coming up to me, Lily, and being like, "I feel like I'm connected with you guys," like like she had some kind of weird spiritual experience with the card game. game. Yeah, because she was like, I know what you were thinking. Well, I mean, I guess that's pretty uh, pretty intense to get in somebody's head, well, even if it's about just it, for if numbers. If you don't know someone and you make really solid eye contact with them for an hour, <laughs> like without saying words. Well, there, uh, that that's that thing, like how to fall in love with somebody in an hour or whatever. Yeah. There's like a trick you can do. It's on the internet. Um, well, they say if you make, was it eye contact for yeah, over 30 like, minutes or something? You, yeah, it's you like the. not love them. Well, yeah, it's like you have, and it, it's, I mean, I'm not sure if it lasts for more than a minute afterwards. I've never actually tried it, but you do something like you, you make long eye contacts and then you have to share something personal, then long yeah. eye contact, share something personal. It's like, it's this bonding to, it's like a psychological bonding thing that. But what if the personal thing that you're sharing is gross? Like, I don't think it matters. It's not like a secret. It's like long I mean, eye the, contact. The more, the more intimate it is, the probably better. So even if it's disgusting, if it's like... You could probably just revealing, fart. Yeah. <laughs> just like, like just 30 at minutes the end of 30 of seconds, just rip one. <laughs> yeah, I, I, mean, I went in the same direction in my head. It was like just the 30 minutes of eye contact, and you're like, I sharted five minutes ago. I was just thinking about sharting. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they, the, here's where I, do, I don't like the well I, I actually like the game Chris that you're talking about the car game my problem with it is it's because you're in front of somebody and all of what I saw about like the different experiments they do like with, even with uh, and I want to talk about this no matter what Project Stargate with mm -hmm. the government but everything you separate the people and the reason is because it's like those mentalists and stuff on TV and that actually goes back to like the 1800s and you can pick up on people's tells, like almost sub, like small twitch of the eyelid or slight color change that you might not even know you're picking up, like yeah. on the person. It, and I think it can even go higher. And this is going to be like, we're going to deep dive into some of this even. Like, you know, if on a camera or a, a movie even, you can change the refresh rate enough that you can start seeing somebody's pulse through their skin like yeah, but with chris's card game that he was playing it, it was double blind uh ne yeah. like they couldn't play off each other because neither person knew who had the lower number but at the same time we were trying very earnestly to telepathically tell each other the number so if because you go in order so if i know it's my turn and i know you're coming after me i would be like this is what I'm going to lay down in my head. I'd be like, it's a number 23. Is this lower than the, your lowest card? And I would really try to send it. But it also sent a lot of information through my eyes, how nervous I was. Like, also the statistics in it also were like, um, 
the higher we're getting, we're in the seventies now, like the numbers are going to get tighter and tighter and tighter. So we knew that, so there's a lot of like non ESP related things. I feel that like a poker player could do it. You know, yeah. like you got like a pro world class because you know, like where they, they understand the odds to no end. Right. And they're just playing mm -hmm. other people like that person may be able to come in and kick ass really, at that really game. Biased. So the, yeah. the, who did kick ass was Keanu Reeves and Constantine. Cause if you remember <laughs> when he, he had to walk into that basement club and they had uh, the card, like not tarot cards, but random cards. And he was like bird on a wire. But then they didn't want him in the club the second time, and he was like frog on a street or whatever. And the guy was like, "Nope." So he just punched him, one punch knockout, went on into the club. So you said bird on a wire. I had, I had no idea what that reference was, and maybe I need to go back and watch. Cops it was a kind. You should watch it again. It is is such a good film. It, like he stares at a cat, and it transports no, him to hell. I do. The cat. <laughs> that's thing. not the best part. Everybody remembers remember. the best part of that movie. When he's flicking off the devil. When he's flicking off the devil <laughs> on his way to heaven. <laughs> it was <laughs> such a Keanu Reeves. Oh, how about this pop quiz, Nate? I've been projecting an animal at you for about a minute. Groundhog. <laughs> no, it was a fox. It was a fox. My level of ADHD, right? Like there is a thunderstorm <laughs> visually of words and stuff and symbols and shapes and sentences. And I randomly go in and grab out of that cloud. So pop quiz, Chris, I'm projecting an animal. Oh, an animal. Okay. A porcupine. An elephant. The opposite of a porcupine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the first thing you said when you said I'm projecting something at you, I was, I thought mountain, gray mountain. But then I was like, then you're like animal. And I was like, oh. And then I just Gray went. Mountain. What else could it be? <laughs> well, I know, but then I, I thought I was so far off, I had to start over. Pop quiz, Nate. Bite, okay. bite size snack. Bite size snack. Slim Jim. No. <laughs> it was Slim Jim. <laughs> I was thinking Kit Kat. But that's because I want a Kit Kat right now. <laughs> I don't want a Slim Jim at all. I've eaten so many Slim Jims. I had to, I got another box this weekend, and I kept offering them to people at Sarah and Tom's, and I kept eating it because no one wanted a Slim Jim. I'd be like, all right. <laughs> okay, and on that note, we're going to take a uh, quick break to uh, hear a word from our sponsor, and then we'll be right back to talk a little bit more about ESP. Mr. Whiskers here. I have lots of things to be worried about, but thanks to my paranormal insurance policy from Dorfu.com, D-O-R-F-Y-O-U. I don't have to worry about goblins and ghosts in my walls. Get your policy at D-O-R-F-Y-O-U.com. That's D-O-R-F-Y-O-U.com. Mr. Whiskers. <laughs> uh, okay, like to get back on topic, let me, I gotta, I did research this, right? And I watched some really sh YouTube videos as well of old National Geographic specials and stuff. Oh, awesome. But I also have seen movies like Men at Goats, and our dad has actually men talked about men, men who stare. stare. Yeah, men who stare at goats. Yeah. What did I say? Men at goats. Men at goats. Like, I think you were thinking <laughs> of Men at Work. <laughs> you replaced Men at Work with Men Who Stare men at Goats. goats. <laughs> you should definitely have Men at Goats. <laughs> <laughs> that's our movie <laughs> because we i don't know but anyway the um i will go back like so projects stargate at fort meade and this stuff started the government started actually doing experiments with uh um either telepathy or parapsychology or uh what all these weird stuff that they didn't understand back in the 60s and then it kind of evolved over time. And one guy, I think it was Joe McManel or McManicle or something like that. Like he, he was really good and got recruited from the CIA and he actually won an award. Uh, he got like the Legion of Merit or something from the government because he figured out the Russians were building some giant sub in a building that wasn't even close to land. And he, he figured all that out. And they gave oh, them wait, remotely. Stuff. He figured that out remotely. Yeah, in the U.S., they're just like they're working on something, and gave them like 
a map of a building and it wasn't connected to water or anything. Yeah. And he, he was like, well, it's this weird welding technique. It's big and round. It's long. I think it, you know, he, he like drew a submarine and stuff and they're like, it's not near water. And then like two months later, these giant trucks came in and started digging a giant canal. <laughs> and, he, and it was a giant, it was the biggest sub. It was like whatever giant 200 nuclear warhead, warhead class sub. And uh, he was awarded a medal for it. Uh, but later in 1995, they uh, there was a paper somebody in the government did and, and shut it all down and said it, it's all a bunch of bullshit. But our dad actually had um, a friend that was in the Stargate program uh, that, that did uh, remote viewing. I can't remember his name. We got to interview dad for it. But he wrote uh, a he, book. He wrote a book called uh, uh, Evolution's End. Oh, that guy. That was then. That what, was that. it the same guy or is that a different guy? <sighs> I started that book, but it was a little too uh, no, psychedelic, almost. I, I, I never finished it. Well, his Joseph thing... Chilton Pierce, Evolution's End. Yeah, Claiming yeah, that's him. No, that was he was big into the universal intelligence or like the thought cloud, right? Like that was this kind of thing, and how technology is ruining us. Signed, and it was a very scientific book. It was pretty good. I liked it. But um, uh, it wasn't all scientific. No, it started. Well, it started out that way with attention spans and TV and hooking up uh, the experiments where they hook up kindergartners to whatever monitor their alpha or beta or gamma waves. And then they'd play Sesame Street and they all turned into zombies within 30 seconds. Right. And all that. And he goes into how that uh, uh, it's just ruining us and we're not meant to do any of this like physically. Yeah, mental. but that author said that, that at one point his like four-year-old sat down and in a very adult manner explained to him what God is and what happens after death. And it was really beautiful and he started crying and then an hour later he, he couldn't remember a word his kid said. He just remembered the subject of it. And I was like, uh, it kind of sounds like he fell asleep. <laughs> like had a daydream. And then woke up and was like... Well, that's like big thing with kids too right like uh and i know people who have had not exorcisms but had counseling because their kids kept talking about their buddies that died in the war and stuff when they uh, were two but um outside of all that right like going back to project stargate oh dad's friend uh who people on his birthday people would give him presents but he had to guess what the present was before he <laughs> opened it and then it got to the point years down the road where they were wrapping it people. box within a box and cover the whole thing in duct tape and then give it to him be like guess this mother <laughs> and then he would try to guess it and but then he'd the, stop and find people over the the remote view he he did work for the fbi to find missing kids and stuff yeah. and i think and we this is something we really had to ask dad about but what he would do is he would explain what he's seeing or you know from the kidnap victim or something but after they found the kid he would go to that place and look at it and he wasn't because he wasn't sure if he was really remote viewing or if it was some weird time thing, or he didn't know if he was telling himself what it was. So he would go there and like really observe everything. And so it was maybe like a safety, a safety Wait, thing. So by going there, would that like help his accuracy, you think? That like makes he was... sense though, because he doesn't know how it works. And maybe it works because he is kind of connected to his potential future selves. Yeah, because time self. is a flat circle, right? Yeah, exactly. Flat so if he thing. goes there, it reinforces his understanding of that place and maybe connects backwards through time. Uh, one of the YouTube videos I watched was uh, it was called National, National Geographic's Naked Science program from years ago on telepathy and they had the guy uh joe mcnamical i took bad notes <laughs> McNamical. joe mcnecronomical <laughs> joe mcnugget but he um uh he did that what they, they did a great experiment they were testing him national geographic show was and they're like okay and they had a photographer go out take pictures of five different places put them in and get the film developed put the uh, set of pictures in five blank envelopes and hand them to the whatever scientist that was doing the control and then she went back out uh she didn't go anywhere she stood there 
the control guy swished them around, right? Wrote a number on each envelope, rolled dice, and picked that one out, handed it to her to go look, go, or didn't hand it. She went to the place on the fourth, the fourth one that he rolled the dice for, for all the pictures. And she went there and she stood there. And then they got the remote viewer guy in. The envelope hadn't been opened yet, I guess. And they were like, okay, here's a picture of the woman. And he, they gave him only a picture of her. And he described the setting of where she was, right? Mm-hmm. And then he drew that picture out the whole way. And then after they, he drew the picture, they took the picture, took it into the control guy, and was like, he, he then had to open up all of the pictures. They opened them up and gave him the photograph and said, which, which photograph matches this? He picked the number four where she was at. And then he was like, well, this is obviously a bridge with some signs under it or whatever. And then he, they drove, then he had to drive there as the same deal. They then drove him there and he met the woman under it. And he was like, yeah, this looks, looks about right. And he described what he was seeing as a pitch black room. Uh, when he gets the visions, it's a complete pitch black room. And then you get a camera flash and it's only a flash for like a millisecond, like a flash yeah. going off in a black room. And then he's trying to draw that down and see what it is in like a microsecond flash. And he was the guy that found the sub and um, part of the based everything on the men who stare goats thing, which yeah, happened. So- that was all real, by the way. Not, yeah. I mean, they, they took some the I'm not sure about all the acid and stuff in the movie, but the guy did make a goat's heart stop. Oh, get this. Get this. This is uh, uh, back when the government in the 60s were first started messing with ESPN stuff, right? Mm-hmm. They took a mama rabbit with little baby bunnies, right? And they hooked this mama rabbit up to all the EKG or whatever. They're monitoring the shit out of this rabbit. And they took her baby bunnies out of the room. And they took them down the street. And they killed the baby bunnies one at a time. Oh, no. And every time they killed a baby bunny, her stuff went crazy. And what a then horrible it, experiment. I mean, <laughs> That's like the be, saddest way you could do that. It would these... <laughs> suck to be an intern there. Be like, hey, hold these baby bunnies for a minute. Pick up coffee to... on your way home. <laughs> Pick up coffee <laughs> on your way back. But it's it's horrible. It's horrible. But that that was like enough, like where the military generals or whatever was like, I like where this is going. <laughs> 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 are these the same people at the same time that were doing like MK Ultra stuff? Uh, in the like 60s, the... no, that came later. I thought no, MK Ultra was like late 50s, early 60s. I think it, it... sounds like a video game, like a like a Tekken fighting game. MK Ultra? Yeah, what is it? That's a. It's like a CIA like mind control program uh, that had a lot of LSD. I did. Like they were... LSD. Yeah. yeah, they would like use like high doses of LSD on these people and, and do like electroshock stuff and sensory deprivation and isolation and like verbal abuse and, and kind of torture in a way to like study. Uh, I think mm, not necessarily ESP, but just kind of human potential, <laughs> you know, like uh, cognitive potential, like That's through right. like stressors. Chris, I'm thinking of a place from our past. There's water. It's a stream. The stream in that park by, I don't know, Brandon Road, whatever that place was. You were so close, so close, so close, but no. What? Uh, uh, Grandmommy and Granddaddy's house in the backyard. Oh, that's all right. Yeah, that makes sense. You know they had that little... Yeah, I know it. From that, I know. Well, that's what I was just trying to think because I was sitting there projecting it at Chris for like a minute just to see if he had to be receptive to it or if he'd just be like, I think it's gonna go both ways. I think you got to be receiving and transmitting. Anyway, we were talking about MK. Well, we don't need to talk about MK. I don't actually know anything about them. That's just like you now know. it get, the movie Altered States was based on that, right? Like the deprivation tank and hallucinogens. Possibly. And he, I mean, that, I, I feel like Altered States was based more on Carlos Castaneda's books, the Don Juan, um, because it, it's, you know, the idea was that uh, he, 
it, 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 I just read the first Carlos Castaneda book um, when I saw that movie, and it was all like a ripoff of it. Uh, but, it? Yeah, except for this, the deprivation. The sensory deprivation was their spin on it, but the idea was this guy going into a shamanic, more traditional Indian or indigenous culture and like kind of having consciousness expanded. But it's a little different in that he, uh, like the beginning of the movie, that's what happens. He goes to like Mexico and does a bunch of peyote in the mountains with a shaman. And then he gets a glimpse of something. Then he goes back to Columbia University and like builds a sensory deprivation tank and slowly de-evolves into a monkey by the end of the movie. Um, that got brought up before on a aliens episode or Bigfoot or something. Um, Bigfoot. Bigfoot. The uh, MK Ultra, I thought for real was uh, the Mary Kay anti-aging cream that was so powerful <laughs> it smoothed the wrinkles from your brain. It's, <laughs> uh, it, it could be. Yeah, you know what that is? Is not as funny as I thought it was going to be because in my head, like, <laughs> that one's going to kill. It's so funny. It's so good. Um, okay, so instead of like um, remote sensing or telepathy, which I think is a little more restricted to just being able to uh, project and receive thoughts from somebody else, let's move on to the similar astral projecting. Wait, I mean, I can uh, talk about astral projection, but it's going to be a bit of a I guess we could talk about it. it astral projection is it's um taking your conscious and sending it out right well it, well it's about traveling as your astral body it's kind of like i wanted i was trying to think of where i should start because the I, movie I know, insidious is is, is it, yeah it's a great it's a this is a great recent cultural point you don't like it no, I would say now I had a better movie. It was the sequel to The Shining, Doctor Dream. Have you guys seen oh, that? Oh yeah, I haven't. That no, is I haven't the seen best. It. Yes, Doctor Sleep. The... It's so good. I was expecting it to be so bad, and I don't yeah. even like Ewan McGregor. And it, it was, was awesome. it was delightful the whole time. I'm like, when is this going to get bad? And it never gets bad. It didn't get bad. I can, and they're doing a sequel off maybe the best horror movie ever made. <laughs> and it's a really complicated sequel to do because the Shining the book and Shining the movie were radically different. And this Wait, had a it, bridge is, both. Is it Ewan McGregor or is it the he's guy Dan from... Ewan McGregor like, is Ewan the McGregor. little boy. Yeah, he's and it's little... not Doctor Dream, it's Doctor Sleep, isn't it? Oh yeah, Doctor Sleep. Doctor... <laughs> I haven't seen the Doctor. movie. Come on, guys. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> I saw Doctor Sleep. I read the book a while ago, and then the I book was, was like... trash comparatively. Yeah, the movie was. Yeah, but the movie Stephen was. Stephen King's an editor, and someone took Stephen King's plot. I was like, all right, let's just knock this down a little bit. But see, yeah. that's exactly what happened with Stanley Kubrick and The Shining. Yeah. Well, Dr. Say, is a great example of, of visualizing astral projection because, uh, and actually so was Insidious because he goes into the ether. And so, you know, astral, the astral projection is moving the astral body around while you, so you leave your physical body. And there's actually, you can actually train yourself to do this supposedly, but a lot of it comes back from in history, looking back to Madame Blavatsky, I don't know. Are you familiar with Madame Bl 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 Blavatsky? Why don't you go ahead and tell us? Well, I know. I'm curious. Blavatsky. I mean, this is this is interesting stuff I know. Stuff Wait, about. is she? Is she? Was she Have like ever, a? The, she who, the not the Hitler woman, woman, was it? No, no. She's this. No, she's like the, a she demon hunter a, sort of thing. No, not no, a demon no. hunter, but like a. Uh, no. 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 She was. She was a Russian. Um, who co-founded the Theosophical Society around the 1870s. I thought that was the Society for Psychical Research or whatever in London that was the the first one that came up with telepathy and all that stuff. Uh, well, telepathy is a little different, but that, but you got the time period right. So around the, ninth, the, the end of the 19th century, uh, there was a lot of magical stuff going on. There's a lot of interest in magic. And there's a reason for that, which I won't go into, which is kind of like the end of like uh, materialist pr Protestantism in uh, 
Europe and how it kind of, they needed magic again. And they started combining Freemasonry with um, kind of a medieval uh, and Renaissance magic revival. Uh, and you start seeing it uh, in like the Golden Dawn and, and the French uh, and a, a lot of uh, organizations that were combining all that stuff that Freud was coming out with, like uh, psychology and the subconscious and kind of giving it um, a more esoteric spin. Kind uh, of like what people are doing now with quantum physics. Yeah, they kind of wrapped it up with um, the science of the time, the cutting edge science, which was like mesmerism and Freud and the subconscious. And they kind of made it rational by combining it, saying, you know, this is just stuff that we haven't looked at scientifically. And if we were, we would see that this is all real. But they would all ask Ripple Jack. They, they, had a, they spend a lot of time working on telepathy and clairvoyance and uh, clairaudience. Um, Madame Blavatsky and her husband, uh, Olcott, they're actually on the they're on currency in India. I forgot what denomination, but they, uh, traveled a lot, uh, before founding the Theosophical Society. And, um, is it a society or a religion? I thought that was a religion. Uh, you know, or it's sort of like somewhere in between. It's good somewhere in between. Um, and they were traveling in Tibet when she claims that she, uh, be got in contact with the invisible masters, the hidden masters and the, the the Tibetan mountains that taught her dematerialize and rematerialize objects and how to project an astral body. And she says that there are three parts of the human, which is a divine spark, an astral body, and a physical body. And they had a they had an apartment in Midtown, New York, uh, her and uh, Olcott, her husband, or I don't know if they were actually married, but a British guy. Um, and they would have like in their living room, they'd have people come over and apparently they would constantly materialize astrally projected masters from other countries for these sessions. So they'd come over and they'd have these conversations and stuff. And they're like, oh, who's coming by today? It's like, oh, this leader from Tibet will be materializing shortly. And then, oh, there they are. And, you know, in the Golden Dawn, which is like Crowley and Dion Fortune and uh, Rigardi and all these people, they they actually projected daily. And apparently, I, I mean, I'm other, I can talk about how one would do it. I've never done it. But uh, apparently it makes you incredibly cold and incredibly hungry. And they always talk about when they come back from a very deep astral projection that they'd be freezing and shivering. And they'd watch other people go under and do this. Incidentally, people that get too drunk or do too many drugs or almost die or whatever, like in the, their astral body just skipped out for a second because they're like, oh, no, something bad's going to happen. I need to leave. But they can't leave physically. So just spiritually, they just float up above their body for a second. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, I'm not doing too good right now. I'd better get back down there. That being yeah. said... I feel like if this were like a skill, like the more you tried, the better you got. Like at, at, at some point, uh, like Alicia would come in and be like, hey, Tim, did you cut the ivy and then put it in the truck? We have to go to the dump later. Oh, you. M <laughs> <laughs> and like my limp corpse would be on the ground. <laughs> like, You're astral projecting drinking beers with Chris and Nate right now in the in the astral realm, aren't you? And then I'd just still be a limp corpse on the ground. I really like. And then thirty minutes later, I'm like walking in the room astral realm. Oh hey, hey, what's up? Like you were hanging out with your devil friends again? Or like, what day is this? That's awesome. Astral projecting was pretty good. Well, you can't really interact with the physical world but you can interact with other at people astrally so there is there's incidences where people would fight each other astrally so and or murder each other so um like i can't astral project to the grocery store and you know grab a carton of milk but i but could you say drink astral milk no no but i could say i'll meet you at the grocery store and we can fight outside the flagpole and then you and I could both astrally project there and then, like, duke it out. Um, so what happens to your physical body if you get your ass kicked? And like the Matrix? Stop. 
It's like the it's Matrix. The it's exactly like the Matrix. Okay, hypothetical question then. Was, again, Keanu Reeves. <laughs> he, he's such a good example for all of these. Was Neo kind of astral projecting? Yeah. What, was going into the, nat- so the, the like Matrix? Instead of going into the astral realm or the ether, they were going into a digital version of it. But the the idea kind of remains the same. But they had to get hardwired in to it. Yeah, because they weren't ether. going to the ether where which, you know, exists all around us, like in uh Insidious. It's it's like an onion, like it's this a layer on top of this layer that we move through when we move, you know, we just have to hop out physically and we're in the astral. In the Matrix, it's a digital astral, so you have you can't just hop out of the physical. You need a you need a transmission through the wires into the digital version of it. Um, but the theory is kind of similar. All right, Chris, ten seconds. You're sending me something. Yeah. Yep. Person, place, or thing, though. You got to help me out. It's a uh, it's a it's a thing. It's a seasonal toy. A seasonal toy. Like a rabbit? Uh, no. It's a it was a knitted snowman. Yeah. I don't know how else Not to tell you about. That. One thing um, <clears throat> with telepathy, I was watching, and something Mary talks about because she's a twin, right? Yeah. And there were a, a lot of experiments, and twins say this a lot, where. One will be in a car accident, and the other one starts calling everybody immediately, like, something's happened. Something's happened to my twin brother or whatever, yeah. because they sensed it. And that, that happens a lot. And they had on the the thing I've watched uh, from um, National Geographic had, like, four instances, like, of the, the twins talking about that story. The uh, the other thing, what I would say, in twins, I, I can disregard some of that because I look at people kind of like robots, right? Like a set of programs. Sure. Like your DNA has programmed you in. So, and especially a twin has pretty much the same nurture and nature, right? Like they have the, the same experiences as well. So they're, they will have a predictive outcome a lot of times if you separate twins and stimulate either one in a different way, right? Because your their programming is almost identical. Uh, but the, uh, the reason, here's where I, the reason I, 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 I'm not sure what it is, but a sixth sense or something that- yeah. Every human has this, and maybe it goes back to when we were, you know, living in trees or something. You can always tell when somebody's looking at you. Oh, yeah. No matter what. And that is the one thing, like anything we've talked about tonight, you know, I'd be, if if somehow they said, (laughs) we found a part of the brain, it's called the bull part, and (laughs) it makes you believe in a bunch of bull. Like, I can totally see that. But I cannot explain it. If you're walking, there's no way your your eyes are in the front. You somebody could be 200 yards away from you, and you will know. You will feel them watching you, and you'll turn around. So, and so I test this out every day for the past 10 years, riding the subway in New York City, <laughs> and I, I literally take it as a test because I it's so it's so true. And I, uh, so I, I have a book. I don't sit. I always stand because these, these trains are very, very crowded. I'm, I'm only rush hour commuting. So it's usually in the morning. At, it's, a, it's packed, 100 people in a car, very tight. And um, it's a very polite thing that New Yorkers do where everyone's going to work. No one has time for each other. Like, there's always like one crazy person and you're like, ugh, we don't have time for you. But for the <laughs> most part, no one and some people would look at a train and be like look at these dumb new yorkers none of them are making eye contact no n- none of them are having a conversation with each other what what inhuman bastards these people are it's like no it's the opposite of that we're all going to work none of us want to talk none of us want to deal with each other it's a civil thing to be in a group around 10 other people and everyone's looking at the floor because everyone's giving each other their space because we're all in this together but if you happen to look up from your book or your phone or your shoes, whatever you're looking at, 
whoever you look at will immediately look up from their thing and look at you. It was so alarming the first year I moved to New York that all I did was test this. So I would be reading my book or whatever. I usually read my book. I usually have a book on me. And every, every other page or something, I'll pick someone in the train and I'll make them look at me by looking up from my book. And this could be across a car with 50 people in the way uh, in between us. And I swear to God, it's a hundred percent hit rate. Every single, it's, and I'll be looking up from the book. It's not my head movement. I'm just looking up. It's like, as soon as I notice them, like, all right, there's a, there's a dude with a hat on at the other side of the car. I'm looking at them, but I'm not looking at them. As soon as I look at him with a capital L, like I like laser in, they immediately drop whatever they're doing and like like look around to see who's trying to look at them. <laughs> and same thing, I'm like totally immersed in like a book and all of a sudden I just have to look up and there's someone just like making dead eye contact with me and they look at the floor really quickly. Do you ever knowingly just nod at them or wink? <laughs> no, because it's it's so it's it's so embarrassing every single time. I'm like, I, well, a they could be crazy, and now they're coming over to like stab you. I will say the only time this does not work, and it's a hundred percent universal, unless you really make a point to make it work, is um, what's that that video game you play on the phone with the jelly, the Candy Crush, Candy Crush, Candy Crush transports people so far away they will not come back for it. From it, so if you see someone playing Candy Crush, they will never know you're looking at them. It's a hundred. It's a hundred percent unsuccessful. Right? You cannot break someone from Candy Crush. It's like two. They're too gone. But anyone so reading a book or just looking at like Instagram or whatever on their phone, you can make them look. It's like they're not far enough out of the 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 physical realm. If you're in the ether and you have trouble finding your way home, you just start playing Candy Crush and it like sucks you back to Earth. It's an anchor. Or, you uh, or you'll break the cord forever and you'll drift away. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. It would be great if you're a criminal. Like, what's the Tom Cruise movie? Minority Report, right? Like, if you're a criminal, you better have Candy Crush on you. So, like, mm -hmm. you do your crime. and that, Or, like, if you instead of trying to, if, while you're plotting your crime, because they catch you while you're thinking about the crime or whatever, before uh, it happens, or, they see that, the future. Minority Report. Not children of the corn, children, you know, where all the kids are aliens and they have to think uh, of the village, village of the damned or village of the damned. That's like it, like the when they like the guy has a bomb, but he has to think of a brick wall and all the kids are removing the bricks in the wall he built. If he just played Candy Crush, for Candy a minute, Crush <laughs> does it yeah. like you have to constantly play Candy Crush while you're like doing whatever you need to yeah, do. You arm the like bomb, it. you walk in at wall playing Candy Crush and sit down and don't stop playing Candy Crush. It would totally work. <laughs> <laughs> Good to so do uh to play off of both of that a little bit is um so uh, we we read to my six-year-old every night we take turns and sometimes he falls asleep and i don't know it uh so i slowly pick my head up off the pillow and look over at him and every time i do even if he is kind of asleep or drifting he and he's rolled the other way his back is facing me he sits up and looks over yeah, yeah. And exactly. every until you just said that, I'm like every time I'm like, well, I guess my head shifting on the pillow or the weight shift in the bed uh clued him in that I'm looking to see if he's awake and then all of a sudden he shoots over like, "No, I'm still awake." Uh but I was uh reading to him the other night and then uh every now I mean, he doesn't really pay attention. He just stops and then he'll just talk about whatever randomly. So I was reading to him and he was like, "You know, sometimes um when I, uh, no, he pinched himself. That's what it was. He was, uh, I was reading to him and he pinched himself and he was like, Hey, does it hurt or not hurt when you're in a dream? <laughs> and I was, <laughs> I was like, it hurts. It hurts if you're awake. And then when you pinch yourself, you wake up and he was like, Oh, okay. That happens sometimes. And I'm like, well, when I wake up suddenly and when I realize I'm dreaming, it feels like I'm falling. And then I wake up and he was like, yeah. Uh, sometimes when I wake up, I feel like I'm on the ceiling looking down at the floor. And yeah. I said out loud, I was like, oh, weird. But in my brain, I was going, oh, <laughs> Yeah, he's totally like just floating above his body. That's awesome. I was thinking of the insidious kid. And then if we ever wake up and he's just not funny and running around and he's like, hello. <laughs> <laughs>
mind if I speak Latin for about 20 minutes. <laughs> okay, and on that note, we're going to take a uh, quick break to uh, hear a word from our sponsor, and then we'll be right back to talk a little bit more about ESP. Things make me nervous. Spooky things like ghosts make me really nervous. I feel very good knowing I have paranormal insurance from DwarfU.com. D-O-R-F-Y-O-U.com. Buy a policy, and the next time you get spooked, you just file a claim and get abatement kit. Lickety split. Remember, DwarfU.com. D-O-R-F-Y-O-U. You can trust me. I am not a dog. Uh, um, one thing that we might need to mention not as a commercial is that our sponsor, Dwarf Trottle Paranormal Insurance, does offer uh, a clairvoyant pet policy. Yes. Which is a little, it's a little bizarre, and <laughs> I guess thinking about it, as if the pet is similar to Dodge that can tune in, and maybe you need a little more privacy from a pet that can um, yeah. tap in. We can't erase, we can't, uh, the wizards can't erase the dog's memories, but they can help you deal with the dogs and help the dogs deal with your, your habits. No, they, they remely tune in to your pet to sit, tell them to mind their own business. Exactly. You better not remote into me, man. I'm going to kick your ass. Um, I was going to do a Sean Connery one, but recently my Sean Connery accent morphs into Ozzy halfway through. Yeah. I don't like being spooked. Not one bit. <laughs> That's actually a pretty good Ozzy voice. And I like paranormal insurance. <laughs> <laughs> There's um. What it is? It's as real as you want it to be. See, and then it goes into an Australian accent, and then it's like game over. Yeah. Omg, the latest uh, astonishing legends is about. The uh, Lady, the Wonder Horse, which was a psychic horse in Richmond, Virginia. And these in the 20s, late 20s, the owners made a giant typewriter that the horse could type out names and places and stuff. I and it cost, yeah, it cost you a dollar. There are pictures in movies, all kinds of shit about this horse, right? And she would find police would come to the horse to find missing kids. And the horse typed out like dead lake or dead dam d-a-m and then they found the dead kid at the dam like it was crazy the best question was they uh they somebody asked him would you like to be human and the horse goes yes (laughs) poor horse but she lived forever lived forever still alive that's awesome (laughs) 108 years later what did you learn Oh, oh, yeah, there you go. What did I learned that Chris? we only hit one out of three ES, like telepathy thing challenges. I think that I learned we are super psychic because a random sampling would be a 20% hit rate and we're getting a 33% hit rate. Wait, what about um are there are there jokes here? No. Mm-hmm.